This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, boo! It's me, Roz, and welcome to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez, the podcast where I like to talk to people that I like about things that make me chew off my very expensive coffin tip nails. They're Gel X, but they're gorgeous. Anyway, I am so excited. We're doing a listener phone call extravaganza. I have not done one of these yet since my new relaunch on Exactly Right. And honey, I had the time of my life doing this. I always love talking to the listeners. And if you want to be on one of these, real simple instructions. All you got to do, write me a nice little bullet point to some of the stories that you have. You know, one or two sentences. Send them away to ghostedbyroz at gmail.com and put in the subject line, listener episode. We have got four amazing calls today, and I'm just going to keep it brief up top. Let's get into it. The first one is Roy from Milwaukee, and Roy lived in a haunted house. This is my favorite kind of story, truly. If you have one like this in the sense that it's somebody moving into a place, all the things that happened, and then they moved out, that's my favorite. Hit it, Roy! I am joined by Roy in Milwaukee. Hi, Roy. Hello. Well, Roy, what is this story? You lived in a haunted house. Well, I'm originally from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and I was a townie. I went to college there, and one of my friends is from Milwaukee herself, and she was going to move into the, a house with me. It's a double-story house. Uh, we were living on the first floor. There was an upstairs in the basement. It's kind of important how you visualize this because one of my friends, Joanne, was living upstairs from us. Lisa and I were on the ground floor and then the basement. Joanne and Lisa were going to move in about a week after I was going to be there because they were taking the summer off. So I was there a week beforehand. When I moved in, I noticed that uh, someone was leaving on the lights and turning off and on the lights. Uh, Sometimes the doors would be locked or unlocked depending upon where I was. And at this point, are you paying the electric bill too? Yes. Okay, that would piss me off. And uh, and it was very strange because um, I was thinking that Joanne either moved in beforehand or something. So I'm like, oh, whatever. And on occasion, I would hear someone going up and down the stairs. And uh, maybe it was Joanne like being there or whatever. And then Joanne called me a week afterwards or a weekend. And she's all like, hey, Roy, I'm just letting you know I'm going to be moving in. And um, <laughs> when is Lisa going to move in? And I'm like, what do you mean? 
you're not here already? Um, and she's like, no. I'm like, oh. Then I'm like, well, who is doing all this stuff? Like the lights and the stairs and the locks. Then Lisa calls and I'm like, hey, Lisa, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> um, something is up with our house. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, this, this things are, are happening. I'm not sure if it's me or if I'm just, you know, maybe it's just me. And I'm like, just be on the lookout. <laughs> and she knows me and like, I've had other experiences and she's like, all right. So like we moved in and everything was fine until we had the housewarming party. Okay. Yeah, I know. A month later, we had people over at the house. Now, how the house is set up, you walk into our house and it's the kitchen, then Lisa's bedroom, the bathroom that we share, and then around the corner is my room and then the living room. So it's like a circle. Okay. So we're having a, um, a housewarming party and my friend Tamara winds up in my room, you know, laying down my bed and talking. And I'm like, hey, hey Tamara, so I stumble in there. I'm like, what you, what's going on? And I'm like, the party's over here. And she's like, I'm just talking to those two guys by your bathroom door. And I look over there. I'm like, there's nobody there, Tamara. <laughs> what are you doing? And she's like, well, that's strange. One had overalls and long blonde hair. And she described the other one wearing a suit and a hat. And she's like, they left through the bathroom. And I'm like, Tamara, there's, they left there. there's literally no one else in here. <laughs> I'm like, you're... Come on back to the party. And they thought nothing of it, right? Did you ask if they were hot? <laughs> she said one of them was. <gasps> yeah. Young farmhand type. Oh, my God. I know. I know. And she goes, the other one reminded her of a preacher. Uh, okay. Yeah. Know. Right. It's all very strange. People ask me, like, why did you not move? And I'm like, rent was cheap. And it was a cool place to live. It was really nice. Um a year goes by. Things are happening um, on occasion. Like what? Well, okay, we have like water spots on the kitchen floor that keep on appearing and disappearing. Like we have to continue wiping them off. And they're in different places every time. Huh. Uh, no explanation for that. Uh, sometimes the cupboard doors would be open or closed. Uh, we would come home from like studying somewhere and some cupboards would be open, random stuff like that. What really got us more concerned, my roommate at the time, Lisa, her fan would whisper to her her name during the night. Like she would hear someone talking like if it was from the fan. Lisa, 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 over and over again. She would wake me up and I could hear her. She goes from the other room. She goes, Roy, and I'd be woken up. I'm like, yes. She's like, are you sleeping? I'm like, yes. She goes, you're not in my room. I'm like, no, I'm not in your room. She's like, okay, just checking. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. And then sometimes I would be um, sleeping and Lisa would have to wake me up again because she said I was talking in my sleep to people, um, specifically a Fred and a Janet. Oh. Yeah. And she goes, you were talking to some people and you're yelling. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> and you have no memory of that? No, not at all. So are you guys like freaked out at this point? Or are you just like, whatever, it's just kind of weird and it's cheap. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's it's all very strange. Like I've had stuff happen with me before. And the thing is, is um, I've come to not respect ghosts or spirits, but I know that they don't mean ill harm usually, or at least I think they don't because I think they're just going through stuff maybe, or they don't even know that we're there. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But up until that point with Lisa's name and using me as a vessel, basically, to talk to them, I'm like, well, what's what's going on here? This is not usual stuff. It was more alerted. You know, it was more like, what? 
you know, there's an odd like feeling or if you like sense something, but this is like, this is like effing up our world a little bit. They're like, what, what? It was scary, but not to the point of like, oh my God, let's move. But also with Fred and Janet and the right. guys going into the bathroom, <laughs> it almost is giving like portal vibes. Mm. Like it seems like, what if your bathroom was a portal? Well, right. Yeah, there's other stuff that went, went on and it, it might explain something like that too. Okay. The pinnacle stuff that happened with us to get stuff acted more seriously uh, sometimes I would go from one room to the other room and I would see a figure in the corners sometimes. What do you mean? Like what kind of figure? Like I could see an image, an image, a shadow. Okay. Yeah. I would see this on occasion, especially when I'm going through from my room to the living room. So like, yeah, just hanging around um, basically in a corner. You'd figure like maybe it was a lamp or it looked like a lamp, but we don't have no lamp there. So like, look like that. Mm -hmm. And then we had to watch my mom's dog once and he would not go into my room <laughs> and sit there and whine. So there was that. That was fun. There was one time when I went to my bathroom uh, to take a shower and I thought that Lisa was home from studying early because I heard, um, heard some stuff or whatever again. I closed my bathroom door and there was a loud knock on the bathroom door after I closed it. And so I, after I, you know, turned around and composed myself, I'm like, I'm going to have to open this door up because mm -hmm. something isn't behind it. I'm like, Lisa, are you there, Lisa? And when I finally got the courage to open it up, no one was there and her room was empty. And I looked in the bathroom door and they had towels hanging. So the only way that could be heard through the door is if they moved the towels and then there was a knock on the door. Okay. My current theory right now is that your shower was a portal. Your shower or your toilet. Right. And that would explain the wet mm. drops, the wet footprints or whatever it was that you were seeing. Right. And that's somebody that was knocking on the door that's like, I'm trying to get in there because I'm trying to cross over. I am done in Milwaukee for now. I'm going back to the other side. Hurry up. It's my turn. And you're showering. That's what I think. You'd figure that. It's so nuts, Roz. I, it, I just can't... I, what happened next, it was like something was ordained or was fated. Uh, this next thing prompted me to get help. And I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to be this. I was having a dream. And I remember going through a plate glass window in my dream. In reality, my bedroom light above my head shattered and fell next to my head. Huh? It was then that I was like, this could have done me harm. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not fun anymore. Like, it wasn't just like a ha-ha ghost. Like, oh, you know, this is, lights are going on. I'm hearing stuff. Oh, there's a shadow somewhere. This is like, this is, this is not good. Mm -hmm. Like, this is actually like a do, wanting to do harm. Like, what, what the hell is going on here? And the thing is, is the marble that was holding my lamp above my bed on was still there. So the lamp would have had to either crack before it fell or squeezed around that marble and then fell. Weird. Yeah. So that's like, nope. I, I'm, I'm actually getting chills just talking about it still because I'm like, that's, that's nuts. But you got so lucky that it missed you. I'm sure the ghosts were pissed. Right. They were probably like, do you know how much power it took us to unscrew this right. thing? And now it missed by just a few inches. Damn it. <laughs> I went to work that weekend and there was a local occult store that was in town. And I always went in to buy incense or like chat with the owner and stuff. Um, for some reason, she's working at the shop co I was at. I've never saw her before in my store. And I'm like, there's a reason why she's here, right? So I go over to her and I said, Diane, I said, um, 
there's something going on at my house. And she stopped me. She's like, don't tell me anything. She's like, I have some friends coming down from Managua. There's five of us all together. We'll go to your house, give me the address, and we'll find out what's going on. I said, fine. <laughs> five psychics coming in. They could do some shit, right? I mean, we're going to be fine. I told Lisa that she's like, damn it, I'm working. And she was all like bummed because she's like, I want to be the psychics. I want to know what's going on with our house. And I'm like, well, <laughs> these psychics come in and Joanne and I were on the front porch waiting for them on a Sunday afternoon. And this was in 1993, 94. And um, they get out of the car and they just, they all stand looking at the house. I go down on the lawn and I greet them. And then one by one, they go up to the house and they said to me, we were unable to see the house from the street because of all the energy. I'm like, great, that's awesome. <laughs> we're living in a nexus or something like what? <laughs> uh, there was a Native American and he immediately took off his shoes and started walking around the house, the perimeter of the house to get his energy around. The people that were there, there's three women and two men. Um, there's three spots to the house, and as, as much as you go down, it gets worse, they said. And they termed it as worse. They said the least amount of um, activity is upstairs where Joanne lives, which is weird because she did say that she had nothing happening up there. In fact, she was like, what are you guys doing down there? Like, what's going on? My place is fine. We were going up the stairs, and one of the women started to cry. She said a little girl was falling up and down the stairs. She used to play here, and she felt. She's not sure if she passed away, but she was having fun, but she was up and down the stairs constantly. And then I'm thinking to myself, that's probably what I heard when I first moved in because I heard someone going up and down the stairs. We go upstairs and um, they said that there was an older spirit there and she couldn't talk or hear because she was older and she couldn't do anything, but she knew something was going wrong in the house, but she was unable to talk. So there's not much activity there. They tried to move her along, like you can, you know, go on, all this stuff. Uh, they don't know if they did because she was really content where she was. Uh, then they go down to where I live, Lisa. They hone in right away on my bedroom door in the bathroom saying that was a focal point. Didn't say anything about it to them. They said that there was uh, two gentlemen. A year ago, Tamara saw them in my bedroom. They explained them exactly how she did with the overalls, long hair, and a suit and, and a hat. They said that evidently they um, would torment the girl. Oh. Yeah. And they said that what fills to them with the bathroom door is it used to be a downstairs stairs. Huh. And it was a new bathroom because they probably had an outhouse or something. It was an old farmhouse. So they probably converted that back into the bathroom. And then that was another way downstairs because they felt that there was a passage. Like what you said, a portal or something. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they thought it was still the stairs. And uh, they said that they used to chase the girl downstairs. And this was a young girl. And they would do stuff with her in the downstairs basement. Hmm. This is why it was so, it got worse the further down they went. Uh, we went downstairs. They lasted about 10 seconds before they all had to leave. They felt so much disgust, terror, emptiness. Uh, they said they couldn't do anything. All five of them, they're like, we don't want to be here. Nope, nope, we're not going to do it. And what kind of stuff happened down there for you? That was where our laundry was, basically, and there was an old abandoned apartment. At one point, there was a refrigerator, and it moved from one part to the other part, and we didn't think anything of it, but like afterwards, we're like, maybe something was moving down there, too. It moved the refrigerator from one side to the other? Right. Like, one day it was in the corner, one day it was in the middle of the room. We didn't really think anything of it, but like as things happen, we're like, well, 
That is strange. Yeah, that's not normal. (laughs) It's not normal. But you know, you put two and two together and it's not until afterwards. It's like, that did happen. Hmm. And they went back upstairs, Roz. They tried to move the ghosts along. They could not make them leave. They're like, well, they want to stay here. The girl is tied to the place too. They're going to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for coming. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for terrifying me. Right. Well, and then and confirming what you know the men and everything was it was all right there. I just felt bad for Lisa because she missed it. She came home and she's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "Well, they they tried to make them leave, but they they didn't." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm sorry." And she's like, "Well, I do have my Ouija board." Okay. That night, Lisa and I uh, we lit some candles. We grounded ourselves. We got some positive energy. We weren't going this blindly. But I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Because like, we're trying to get these ghosts out and they don't want to leave. She goes, I want to find out about the girl, but I want to find out if she's all right. Maybe we can get her to go and then maybe they'll follow. Mm. It took us until four o'clock in the morning. She got home around 11. We're not sure we actually contacted her or not. She said through the board, her name was Lucia and that she was constantly being watched. And she kept on going in and out. And there was only so much she would tell us. They're watching me. I can't talk right now. Stuff like that. And it finally ended around four o'clock. We were trying to like stay awake and uh, get some answers. Right before I moved uh, out of the house, finally, after college ended, my friend Susie, another neighbor of ours, came over and uh, she found an old picture of the farmhouse back in the day. And in the picture, there was a uh, long list of people there. And on the bottom, it said there was a Fred and a Janet in the picture. Wow. Yeah. And there was a little girl on top of the fence, and her name was Lucy. I mean. Yeah. This is like a perfect ghost story. I've been skeptical of stuff, too. Like, oh, come on. Really, ghosts? But, like, when you actually are in it, too. No, that's torment. I mean, to have to worry about something falling on your head in the middle of the night and you never know when it's going to come and go and it's just Mm -hmm. that's no way to live however it is great for a podcast (laughs) so you ended up just moving out right do you know if the ghost stuck around or what okay we asked the friends who were there before and the people afterwards nothing Hmm. no stories no raps on the doors no images no objects nothing Nothing at all. I don't know why they picked me and Lisa and Tamara saw them. You know, I have no idea, but nothing happened. Interesting. I think that sometimes ghosts or spirits want to connect with us to tell their story or they just don't know what's going on. I don't know what this was. There's no rhyme or reason. That's the thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if we think we have figured it out, like who really knows? There's so much mystery and that's the fun of it. That's why I like this stuff. I don't think it would be fun if we knew. I know, right? Well, Roy, this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. I am obsessed with Roy's story. I mean, the five psychics that were like, uh, you're on your own. Bye. <laughs> so funny. I'm also obsessed with making this into a movie. Okay, I'm thinking... Austin Butler as the male farmhand. Martin Short as the man in the suit. Danny DeVito as Fred. I'm thinking Rosie Perez is playing, what was her name, Janet? Jennifer Coolidge as the talking fan. And of course, starring me as Lucia, the girl in the stairs. Okay, now you're not going to believe this. My next caller is also from the Milwaukee area. What are the chances? Here's Eleanor with a poltergeist. 
Oh my God. I am joined by Milwaukee, Wisconsin's own Eleanor. Hello, Eleanor. Hi, Roz. Milwaukee, tell me about it. All I know about Milwaukee, actually, I know a decent amount about Milwaukee. Isn't there, there's been a couple of murderers? We got Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. We got, okay, yeah. <laughs> Ed Gein's a little bit further north. Okay. We've got Trixie's Bar. Trixie Mattel has a bar there. I believe Trixie's from there. Yep. Trixie Mattel and Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. We've got a lot of old stuff, lots of haunted buildings. So, I don't know. I feel like everyone I've met in Milwaukee has at least one ghost story or is like a third degree to Jeffrey Dahmer. So, what, how many degrees are you from Jeffrey Dahmer? I'm a lot of them because I'm not actually from here. Uh, okay. I moved for college. So, <sighs> well, what has happened to you in the paranormal sense? I hear there's a poltergeist story we could talk about. Yeah, I grew up in like a rural part of Southwest Wisconsin. We got nothing but cows and farms and bars. Um, <laughs> UFOs? I've never seen one, but I could see it happening out in all those cornfields. We got plenty. I'm sure they're zooming around somewhere. Yeah. But I grew up really close to Dubuque, Iowa, which is like right on the Mississippi River. It was like the nearest quote unquote city. I don't know if I'd really give Dubuque like a full city moniker myself, but it had a Target and a movie theater. So we're like, oh my God, city. That's something. <laughs> that counts. A little something, something. Um, and when I came out in high school, I started dating somebody who lived in Dubuque in like, you know, one of those kind of bland Midwest mass created neighborhoods where all the houses are like pretty new. So, you know, you assume you're like, oh, there's not going to be a ghost here. Like this house was built in like 2009. Nothing's going to be here. That's how they get you. That is how they get you. <laughs> the suburban gets you. Have you not seen paranormal activity? I know it should have been my first clue. There was a lot of clues amongst this relationship that maybe I should have like seen the signs. <laughs> but their house was insanely haunted. Almost from like the first time that I slept over there was fairly apparent that like something was happening in this like curated, nice Midwest home covered in crosses that like doors would swing open, like those flat handle doors where you can like watch it pull down. Not just like a twisty knob, like flat handle doors that you'd watch push down and fly open and slam shut like right in front of you. Broad daylight, nothing happening. You're the only person in the house, like, now, did you bring this up? Were you like, hey, I think your place is haunted? Or did they tell you or what? So the setup of this, like, poltergeist, um, the person I was dating and their brother were Irish twins. So they're like, you know, exactly like nine months apart, back to back. And they were a little bit older than me. So I'm the same age as their brother. And my best friend was dating their brother. So we were there a lot. And all of us were kind of like, yeah, weird stuff keeps happening in the house. Like doors and like... There was just kind of that like ominous, heavy feeling. Like you walk in and you're like, oh, like something is watching me and something is not super pleased that we're here and it's not pleased about what we're doing. And like, it was just very apparent. And there was like certain rooms that weren't as bad, but like the hallways, especially. Like I remember having to pee in the middle of the night and being like, oh my God, I have to walk down the scary, scary hallway. Like, is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> And the answer is like... Adult diapers. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things where you're like, oh God, like it's the dread of having to like go out to that dark hallway where you like don't know what you're going to see. 
And that was the feeling like all the time the house was like, I'm going to turn a corner and like, what am I going to see? You just always felt like you were going to see something or like something was there. Was there a theory of what this was caused by? So me and um, one of my friends went to like a psychic at some point (laughs) at a Dubuque convention, like in a hotel with a water park, like a convention hall. And she almost immediately was like, you girls have seen something. She was like on it. And she's like, I think that you've experienced a poltergeist of someone you know. And we were like, oh my God. And this is after all of this like scary, scary stuff had happened. So our running theory is that um, my partner's brother was going through like a really intense addiction problem, like in and out of rehab for a couple of years. Um, a lot of like general like issues in their home space and like within their family it always felt like it was their brother also like at multiple points would be like oh weird like it feels like he's in the room with us even if he was like away Mm. which is like you know kind of a spooky thing to convince yourself of so you like talk yourself out of it but there is this like one particular night i'm sleeping in their room you know because you get away with sleepovers (laughs) when you're gay and you're in high school. It's just normal sleepover. We're hanging out. Yeah, mom and dad, we're just going to talk about boys. and (laughs) We're just friends. It's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Uh, My parents at the time did did know. I think they were just like, well, we we can't tell her she can't have sleepovers at all because what will it do, you know? Right. I I definitely (laughs) got away with it for that reason, just them not wanting to push on it too much. Um, but it wasn't super unusual for us to like be up super late and it like especially wasn't unusual for him to like come into the bedroom and like kind of ask us to hang out if he was like having a really bad night or if he was feeling like he really wanted to use and like wanted to steer his mind somewhere else. So I remember like waking up and I'm, I'm an inside of the bed person. So I'm like really close to the door and I can like see it like I'm, I'm on the wall parallel to the door so it's gonna like open and I would see the full like back side of the door if it were to open and it's open like just a crack for the cats coming in and out and I distinctly remember like looking up hearing like tap tap knock like a really quiet tentative don't want to disturb you kind of knock and looking up and seeing their brother in like the crack of the door with just like the slightest sliver of light coming in from the like night light in the corner of their room and being like oh it's just it's just him he just wants to hang out And I was kind of like, hey, it's two in the morning. I'm asleep. What do you want? And next to me, my partner kind of like shakes awake a little bit. It's like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, oh, your brother's here. And they're like, no, he's not. Because at the time, their brother was in rehab like four states away, three states away, Mm -hmm. like hours away. My tired brain kind of shook off that like sleepiness that was like, oh, I saw him. He was right there. And as I like thought about it more, I was like, oh, it did feel bad. Like it felt like his evil twin almost. And like now you see all those things about like doppelgangers. So it, it did kind of like really throw me off. I was like, oh my God, did I see him? Was I imagining it? Did I see someone else? But like in my memory, it's just him with like a very vacant smile, just standing in the crack of the door, which was horrific. Like looking back, I, d- I remember after that, like I would not sleep in the house like alone because I used to house sit for their parents a lot and I was like well I'm not sleeping here alone and I for sure am not opening doors to little knocks (laughs) (laughs) 
this is so interesting because I have talked to a number of people about this idea of a ghost of a living person and astral projection and that sort of a thing. But when you throw addiction into it, and I mean, I'm eight and a half years sober, and I know a lot about addiction. And a lot of times when you're struggling with that, it's like you don't have control of yourself. Yeah. Now, I don't know if what that has to do with your spirit or whatever, but it's like I could see that part of you being detached from your physical part of you. Absolutely. And the spirits seem to have very different, like, intentions for each of us who are in the house a lot because this longtime girlfriend and I were best friends. And so, like, she was there a lot. Like, we were all friends. So even if he wasn't, like, she was there. And the ghost, the poltergeist, the spirit, whatever it was, did not fuck with her. It was, like, not happy with her when she was in the house, but it was always fine with me. It never apparently bothered their parents because they never once said anything to us about it. (laughs) We were always kind of, like, kind of weird that door opened, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't know if it was, like, we pretend we do not see, or they were very religious, so it could have also been the, like, if it's not within this, like, realm we want to believe in, we're just going to shut it out kind of thing. Or maybe because we were, like, younger, because this was in, like, 1617 kind of range. Well, it kind of seems like it's his, um, that sneaky side of him or something, you know, that maybe doesn't want the parents to see that side. Yeah, absolutely. Just like a little, like a tinge darker, because it always was like, it's him, but off. Like, I don't think any of us would ever see it and would have been like, oh, he's really here, because it always felt like so ominous and it lacked all of the joy and all of like, the interesting parts of him that, like, you could maybe feel more gravitated towards. It was, like, unsettling. (laughs) The thing with poltergeist, it's, like, people, you know, a lot of times associate that with, like, hormonal changes and lots of chaos in someone's life. It's sort of this telekinetic manifestation of some sort. And I want it so bad. Okay, I'm over here transitioning, (laughs) and they tell me that that's, like, second puberty— And I'm over here just like, how many hormones do I need to take until I can start lifting shit up with my brain? Where is my poltergeist? (laughs) I want to full-on Matilda the shit. Like, I just want to sit on my couch, just do all of my chores with my brain. (sighs) I keep trying. Trust me. I'm squeezing. I squeeze. You're like, I'm going to get my chores done while I sit. I'm like, oh, I would spook so many people. Oh, yeah. Throwing stuff off shelves. I would do that. Moving things slightly (laughs) just to freak them out a little bit. Since my life has to always be like some kind of cheesy comedy or something, I would probably tie their shoelaces together so then when they stand up, they trip. I'd be giving people wedgies with my brain. I'd be doing all (laughs) kinds of shit. It's interesting you mentioned shoelaces because whatever was in their house would also steal shoelaces. What? I had just called my my best friend who was his girlfriend and I was like, oh, I'm going to be on a podcast. I'm going to talk about about their house. And she was like, oh, bring up the shoelaces because I'm still pissed that it took all the shoelaces. And I was like, the shoelaces because I'm a slip on shoe girl. Always have been. Hate tying a shoelace. (laughs) So I was like, I never had shoelaces stolen. And she's like, no, like it would take the shoelaces out of our Doc Martens and like we would never find them. Oh, wow. And Doc Martens, that's a long... That's a laced-up boot. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Cause their mom would always blame it on the cats. They had seven cats, which is arguably too many cats. Yeah. Well. And so it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, yeah, no, no, the cats would, would steal the shoelaces. But then I think about my stupid son. And if I could imagine him untying a shoelace and the answer is no, I don't think he has the commitment. And I don't think any of their cats would have the commitment for like multiple shoelaces. And then she was like, no, don't you remember? Like, we were in the basement that one day and we found a pile of shoelaces. And I was like, we did. We fully were in their basement once and just found, like, a small mound of, like, loose single shoelaces. What was that all about? And so unless the cats were running a complicated operation, (laughs) the ghost wanted our shoelaces. It was like, you guys can't leave or at very least we're going to, like, ruin your day. But was there other stuff happening? Like, were there things moving? I know you said the doors. The doors would open and close a lot. Um, The alarm clocks would synchronize every once in a while. And only ever if it was, like, just me and his girlfriend, like, house-sitting. What do you mean they would synchronize? Like, they would all go off at the same time. Usually, like, two in the morning, three in the morning. Classic. You know, the spooky hour when it, like, has the best impact on you and you're alone in a big dark house and you have to go around and turn them all off weird we did have an instance where like we found child blocks set up in the basement with a message like they had been pulled out of a box and like placed there specifically we would find things in weird places specifically like his things when he wasn't there like his favorite lighter would be out and about when he was gone and there's like no one else who would have brought it out or Certain things that you had that he really liked every once in a while. Like, I had a t-shirt go missing that I never found again, which could have been him taking it. Who knows? Mm. But he claims he didn't. What was the message with the blocks? Um, There was a point in time where uh, he ended up overdosing and going to the hospital and was in intensive care. And I was the only person in the house. Like, I got left there to mend the cat's hang out with them while they all went off to the hospital. And I was in the basement the day before, nothing in the basement, nothing weird, normal. We went down two days later to get a board game to kind of like take our minds off of the chaos going on. And on a table at the base of the stairs that was like empty the day before, or at very least I hadn't noticed, which I find it hard to believe I like wouldn't notice this because it was very obvious and very creepy. Um, There's a set of blocks that said, I see you. Like, just the letter I, the letter C, and the letter U. And me and my friend who was with me who found it were like, does it see us, like, visually? Or is it saying, like, it knew that he was in the ICU? We're not sure. Either way. (laughs) Horrible either direction. And that was, I think, like, the last big thing that happened. It was, like, pretty soon after that that he came back and, like, truly did kind of get his life together a little bit and was doing a lot better. Me and his sibling ended up breaking up like pretty pretty intensely. So like it wasn't a great relationship the entire time. So they're like not someone who's in my life anymore. I wish I could be like, hey, is your house still haunted? Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. Yeah, and it's like, I know I've talked about this before with how people say addiction is, you know, like your demons. And yeah. it definitely seems like, a dark energy is taking over. I mean, there's so much beyond just, oh, you do a substance all the time. Like, there's a lot of darkness that goes on with it and why you do it and what it's doing to you and whatever. And 
when you talk about that doppelganger thing, it's like that could be maybe the person's body, the astral projection idea of their astral body leaving their physical body. But it could also be a doppelganger, which is a lot of times thought of as a dark spirit that is impersonating the person and surrounding their environment. And I don't know. Yeah, Either especially way. at like Oof. 16 too, a lot of big emotions. Oh, yeah. Like, I work with teenagers now. I'm so sorry. I like them. I don't know. There's something about them. <laughs> I'm a substitute teacher. I, I work in the schools. I, I like them. Yeah, I hear these ones are pretty good. I hear we, we figured out the right batch. Uh, I don't know about that. I think there there's, there's some quirks in there, but... <laughs> And being, I'm only 24, so it's like, it's not like I'm that far removed. But I feel as though my frontal lobe has fused more. Like, I can feel it fusing. And when I talk to, like, 16, 15-year-olds, I'm like, oh, you, everything is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You're very dramatic. <laughs> and they they feel very deeply, which I enjoy working with. It's an interesting, like, thing to dip a toe back into. But I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that I... uh have a little bit more composure and sense about me than I did maybe when I was 16. Well, some of us are still there. (laughs) Okay, we have a couple more minutes. Do you have any other spooky stories or anything paranormal of that nature? I have a fun one. Oh. It's like partially sad, partially fun. Okay. Um, My dad passed when I was 16, Mm -hmm. which is the sad part of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. He passed very, very suddenly, um, and, like, none of us were really prepared. My family is my dad, my mom, and then I have two older sisters as well. And I'm the youngest, so I was the only one who still lived at home. And we had this, like, beautiful, big house in the woods that my mom wanted to sell, mostly because she was like, your father picked the house, and I am not mowing that goddamn yard. (laughs) Which is fair. It was a huge hill. I could see it. She was like, I don't want to live in the big house by myself. She needed to downsize. So when I was going off to college, we were trying to, like, get our house together and sell it. And at the time, we had a really old dog. She was very sweet. She had three legs. So my mom ended up taking a bedroom downstairs so she could, like, stay with the dog more. So, like, they could, like, sleep together because Lola liked it. Um, And so I ended up moving into their master bedroom that, like, last couple months I was there because we were redoing my hideous childhood room so the house was better to sell. And my mom was always complaining like those last couple of years, the, like the lights in her bathroom flickered all the time. She was like, we got to get it fixed before we sell the house. Like every time I'm in there and I'm looking at the vanity, like the lights are flickering. And I was like, okay. And then I took over her room and I'm in that bathroom all the time. And I'm like, the lights never flicker for me. Like mom's losing it. And she was like, no, I swear. And we had an electrician out. I changed the light bulbs. Like we tried everything. I like stood in there and like jumped, like trying to get them to flicker being like, maybe what, maybe it's like shaking in the house. Like what's triggering it? she's like, every time I take a shower, the lights flicker. I jokingly was like, maybe dad just likes when you flash in the bathroom. Like, maybe that's what it is. And then she was like, well, now I'm going to test it. And it was like, only ever if my mom was in the bathroom, did they flicker. Like, no one else had this experience. Weird. So we're pretty convinced that he was haunting the bathroom. And now my mom in her new house is convinced that he is haunting her fire alarms. Which I will say that they do do weird things. Like, we've changed the batteries. We've replaced them fully. Like, they they do flash at times when they're not supposed to. 
And mostly in like reaction to things. Like when she's entering the room, sometimes they'll flash or like if she's having a really sad day, she says that they flash more. And I was visiting with all my friends. We were staying there to go to House on the Rock, which is a very cool attraction in Wisconsin. And I had my new partner, who's like a much more serious, very like wonderful person in my life that unfortunately, like my dad will never get to meet. And my mom wakes us up at like 5.30 in the morning. It is like crack of dawn. She comes running into the room, freaks us both out. We're like, oh my God, hello. No knock, just enters. And it's like, it's doing it. The lights are going off. You have to come talk to your father. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Like go into her room. I'm like shuffling in there, half asleep. And she's like, look at, look at the fire alarm. And it's not doing anything. And I'm like... Oh, God, it's happening again. It's like the light's all over again. And she goes, talk to it. Talk to it. Tell him something. And the first thing that popped into my brain was something that my dad said to me when I first came out, which was like, I don't care who you love. I don't care what you do in that realm as long as you don't end up with a Bears fan. (laughs) Unfortunately for him, I did end up with a very nice person whose family is from the south side of Chicago and are Bears fans. (laughs) Okay, so what happened when you said that? I was like, hey, Dad, I'm going to marry a Bears fan. Immediate red light. Like, immediate red light flashing (laughs) in the fire alarm that was previously doing nothing. I think that he's just kind of hanging around, doing what he would have done in life, which is bullying me about wanting to marry a Bears fan and checking out my mom, (laughs) which fits his personality, like, very, very well. Wait, it says here he... He moves his urn and he's released butterflies in the house. So my dad was a, a big man. He was like 6'2", big guy. Um, and when he died, because it was so sudden, we were like looking for urns. I don't know if you've had to buy like an urn, but they're ugly. Uh-huh. They don't make them pretty. And my mom was like, oh, oh, I, got, I, have, a, I have a thing in the basement. She's very Midwest mom energy. Then she was like, I, I have a cookie jar in the basement. She goes down to this like stack of pre-bought presents that she keeps in case she has to like give a gift to somebody. <laughs> and in it is like a decorative cookie jar that definitely says cookies. Like it clearly <laughs> says cookies on one side. And so he lives in it. It's, it's like sitting in her kitchen too, currently in her new house. If we've always had it facing a wall so that like cookies faces the wall so people aren't like, oh my God, a cookie jar, and like put their hand in it. But I swear every time I come home, The cookie jar has, like, slightly rotated so that you can definitely see cookies. And when I was in high school, it happened way more often. And I was like, this... And he is a person who I'm like, oh, he would want somebody to shove their hand in the cookie jar and get nothing but ash. He'd think it was hilarious. (laughs) That is hilarious. I would do that. It definitely, like, tracks for him that he would be like, hee hee, I'ma get him twist the cookie jar oh my god you're giving me an idea for for (laughs) when i pass i want to demand in my will that i'm put in a cookie jar (laughs) um and then my mom has found those like little yellow butterflies i don't know what they're called or if they like have a special name but they're those like really light tiny yellow ones that you get kind of in like the early summer she will find them and we're in wisconsin so like winter means business and when it's winter it is like winter Mm -hmm. she has more than once found them just sitting in her house in the middle of winter like alive like chilling just floating around the first one she found was right after we came back from the hospital because my grandfather who is my dad's dad died on the same day that my dad did two years after because i don't they wanted to be dramatic i don't know (laughs) the timing of it felt very like 
on brand for them to be like, we're just going to pick the same day. It was, <laughs> it was just such an odd coincidence. But we came home from all of that and my mom found like a perfect, alive yellow butterfly just sitting in her kitchen. So now she keeps her eye out for yellow butterflies because they just keep popping up in our house in like the middle of winter. That's cute. Also like a beautiful way to haunt if you're going to get haunted. I'll take that over the first story you told me. Oh my God. Definitely the difference between like bad haunting, good haunting. (laughs) Totally. Well, Eleanor... Thank you. This has been wonderful. Thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you, Eleanor, for showing us the different kinds of experiences one can have with the other side. It can be dark and it can be cute and fun. And I love to hear about stories that make me feel like when I pass, I can still be Hilarious. Can't you imagine me in a little cookie jar? Come get these cookies. Okay, next up, Dane from Toronto, who's going to take us to an asylum and to Gay Paris. Scare me, Dane. I am joined by Dane in the Toronto, Canada area. Hello, Dane. Welcome. Hi, Roz. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks for doing this. So I was reading this email you sent me, and it says here you went to a place called Rolling Hills Asylum. What were you doing there? I mean... It wasn't probably my best moment, (laughs) but I agreed to do this overnight ghost hunt and it's like a bit of a private tour. So (laughs) why I decided that was a great idea, I don't know, but I have a good story out of it, so. Was it something where you like slept there or what? So they call it an overnight tour, but you're really not sleeping there. It's basically like they give you free reign of the place to sort of go through and explore and like do whatever you want and you stay till like 3 a.m. So it's not really overnight. But you go there with the intention of sort of exploring and hoping for some type of ghost encounter. Okay. So how many people were you with? So I was with my best friend, Jamie, and then her friend, Jill, and her now ex-husband. And were there, like, other people that bought a ticket to do this, or was it just you guys? No, it was just us, because it's sort of set up as, like, a private tour situation. So how it works is... You show up and there's one person who works there to sort of meet you and they take you around the facility and they sort of show you everything. And then they just sort of like let you go and then you just do whatever you want for the rest of the time. (laughs) And then they just count their money in an office somewhere and go suckers. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, so you're doing this thing. What happens? So um, this was probably let's say 1230 or so at night. And I had like this great idea. So we're not like professional, like ghost explorers, like super interested in it, but like, we really don't know what we're doing. And I thought it would be a brilliant idea to bring my iPad and a tripod and I was going to like set it up and record and see if we would see anything, right? Okay. So during the tour, there was this one place that they called Shadow Hallway. And they say, everyone always sees shadows, moving around, um, going in between the rooms and all sorts of stuff like that. And I said, well, this is perfect. I'm going to set up my iPad. 
We're going to go sort of walk around other places and then we'll come back and like check the footage and sort of see what happened. Now, needless to say, setting an iPad up in a, a dark hallway, like you're not getting anything but a black screen. <laughs> Didn't right. think about that at the time, but yeah. so we set up the iPad, the three of us leave. So Jamie, Jill and I leave. Jamie's husband at the time was just in this little base camp room, like on the main level, just sort of hanging out. We're walking around the place. We come back to the hallway to go pick up the iPad, right? Um, so I, I look and we had flashlights and we're at one end of the hallway and I could see the beam of the flashlight hitting the back end of the hallway. But there's something that's sort of blocking it. There's something that's in between where I'm standing with the flashlight and the back wall. And it's not the iPad and the tripod because that's sort of like on the left side of the hallway. And this thing is sort of on the right side. So I'm looking closely, trying to figure out what it is. And it's this black shape. And it was really pitch black. Like it was super dark. So the flashlight wasn't really illuminating it. It was sort of like the flashlight was going around it. And you could see a border of what the shape looked like. And it was so dark. It was it was almost like so black that it was like sucking in the light in that space. And the shape of it, it sort of looked like a person was leaning out of one of the rooms. Uh, it sort of reminded me of, do you remember, do you ever watch Scooby-Doo and how they sort of like peek out of a doorway and they really like lean over uh-huh. as they're sort of looking out? So it was sort of like that. So it was really like leaning out and you could see what looked to be an upper torso, sort of shoulders ahead. And then what looked to be like very, very long straight hair just sort of hanging down. Oh. <laughs> right? So I'm looking at it and I'm like, like, what? What is this? It probably happened in one or two seconds, but it felt like it was much, much longer. Jamie was the first person to speak. So then she goes like, what is that? And then Jill's like, I don't know. And I'm still looking. I still like can't even speak. And then all of a sudden it just like popped back into the room and just disappeared. And at that moment, the light, you could see like the full beams. You could tell that whatever was sort of in that space blocking passed back. So of course we argue who's going to go get the iPad (laughs) because none of us wanted to like walk down the hallway now to go get it. So we all sort of like go over together. Then we're like, well, let's just make sure there's no one in the room just in case like Jamie's husband was doing something. So we go up, we all sort of like creep around, we go into the room, no one is in there. We then say, okay, let's just like go back to like base camp, look at the iPad, see if it caught anything. Of course, that's when we found out it got nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to Jill. She's like, I was not prepared for seeing like that ring bullshit, she said. And I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean like, ring bullshit and she said well it looked like the girl from the ring with like this long straight hair and up until this point we didn't actually compare notes about what we saw we just all sort of agreed that we saw something Uh so when she said that i was like okay i did not hallucinate this because i very distinctly saw what looked to be hair now jill saying it so then we go and get jamie and we're like describe what you saw and she described exactly what i saw so i don't know what it was, but whatever it was, I know that we all saw the same thing. Yeah, they need to make ponytail rubber bands for ghosts. Right? <laughs> because these ghosts love to have their hair just flowing down in front of their face. And I don't like that. As a person with long black hair, 
<laughs> I don't like that version of representation in the afterlife. I like my hair out of my face, <laughs> and I think it's less creepy. Unless they were doing like kind of, you know, I've been known to do sort of like a, a sexy, like I'll hang on to a doorway and I'll sort of cock my head to the side and I'll have my long hair just sort of like hanging all over to one side. Was it like that or was the hair like just over their face? I mean, you probably couldn't tell, huh? It was almost flat in a sense because like I couldn't make out any features just because of how dark it was. But it was like almost like a sheet of hair. Mm. There was no like sexiness going on. There was no like, oh, Here's my hair flip. No wind blowing. Yeah. And it was very, very like straight hair. Like there was no like wave or curl, like never picked up a curling iron, mm. you know, <laughs> like it was just all of the hair sort of together. Just one big solid mass. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, I do think they should give them like a little kit, some things you could change up your look. You're not stuck. <laughs> also, like these ghosts probably live in their rooms, you know, there's all these different rooms in that building, and they're probably like, all right, who's here tonight? <laughs> what kind of bullshit's going to happen? Oh, these people have an iPad. Oh, this is going to be fun. They're right. going to see that they're not going to record anything. Uh, like, Can you guys just keep it down? I'm trying to sleep in here. That's what I imagine. So was that sort of like the main thing that happened, or did you guys have other things happen? There was other stuff that happened, but I feel like sometimes, like I totally believe in ghosts, but sometimes I don't believe that I actually have experiences. So it's sort of this weird space. Um, but we were doing this thing with a mag light. You're supposed to turn it, uh, like you turn the top of it so it goes on and off. And if you turn it just to the point where it goes off, and then you sort of like bang it on your hand to make sure it's not going to turn back on. And then you just set it down. The thought is when you're talking to a ghost, they sort of put their energy in it. So it connects the circuit and then makes the light go on. Right. You can have it sort of just right where if you just touch it, it'll turn on basically. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that like in a few rooms and we're sort of like asking questions and the light would turn on and off. But again, it's just one of those things where I question, is there something else that's doing it? Is there not? Is there actually something here? But seeing that shadow was the main thing that we had seen that night. Well, you got your money's worth. Right. <laughs> so what happened to you in Paris? I was on vacation uh, with a boyfriend and we stayed in this Airbnb. And this was in the uh, like opera quarter sort of section. It was sort of like a studio apartment, but there was a separate bedroom. But then everything else was in the main room, like living room, shower, like everything else. At the time I was in school, so I needed to meet with some classmates on a paper that we were working on. But of course, like for me, it was 1 a.m. Um, and it was much earlier for them. So my boyfriend was sleeping in the other room. I had the door closed. We met, worked on the paper. I'm getting ready to go to bed. So I open the door and I see my boyfriend's feet at the end of the bed on the right hand side. And then it looked like this thing in the shape of a person, uh, but sort of made out of like this smoke or mist sitting at the end of the bed. And it looked like there was like an arm out, like it was about to like touch his feet or stroke his feet or something. And then I looked at it and then it just sort of disappeared and evaporated. 
It was weird because at first, when I first saw it, I thought like something was on fire because it looked thick like a cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. When I entered the room, it just slowly sort of faded away. But I didn't feel scared when I saw it for some reason, which is surprising because normally I would like scream. I just saw it and then it was gone. And then I was just like, okay, so this happened. And then I just went to bed, (laughs) which is so surprising because normally I would be afraid for ages. Did your boyfriend have anything to say about it? Well, he totally does not believe in ghosts. So he just thinks I hallucinated it. This is one of those situations where, okay, fine. Maybe you didn't feel creeped out. But like, that sounds like some creepy foot fetish ghost, (laughs) like person that died. And now they come back looking like cigarette smoke. And they're like, ooh, I'm going to touch whoever's feet are renting this place. Right. And then you busted them. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, fine. I'll have to go. The weird thing, too, is my boyfriend never sleeps with like his feet exposed, like out of the blanket. But for whatever reason, like that night, like his feet were actually out of the blanket, like at the bottom. So like, I don't know if this ghost like took the blanket back. Yes, (laughs) of course. I bet you that ghost took his little cigarette smoke fingers and did that thing where they kind of twiddled their finger, two hands together like, ooh, I got one. Right. And then they slowly took the sheet off and then they're like, here I go. I'm about to tickle these feet. And then you came in and they're like foot blocked. (laughs) Right. Oh, I was a foot blocker to a ghost. Damn. (laughs) Well, Dane, this has been great. Oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing your stories with me. Okay, that was weird. But thank you so much, Dane. Now my final caller. What are the chances of this now? Also, from Toronto. Here's Lisa with a whole bunch of different stories. Take it away, Lisa. I am now joined by Lisa in Toronto. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Roz. What the heck did you send my email? There's some spookiness here. Tell me what you got. Well... I guess there's this dream that I want to tell you about. And I know it's kind of silly to tell people about dreams. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 13 or so, my grandpa passed away. In the last few years that I knew him, he wasn't able to speak very clearly, but he was always really happy to see me and my mom when we visited. Um, so when he passed away, I went to his funeral with my mom and then um, we spent the night with my grandma. Um, they slept in separate beds, my grandma and grandpa. That wasn't weird to me then, but it's kind of curious now. In the same room or? Yeah, yeah. Two double beds in the same room, about two feet apart. Okay, my grandparents did that too. Really? I think it was definitely a generational thing. Honestly, I'm into it. Like, if I'm just sleeping and all of a sudden I feel a hand touch me, I, of course, assume that it's a demon here to take me away. (laughs) But okay, go on. So I slept in my grandpa's bed. I don't know why that was the choice. I could have slept on the couch, but I slept in my grandpa's bed. I felt a little weird about it, but I did it because I was 13 and I was told to. Uh, And that night I had a very vivid and intense dream. It really made an impression because I can still remember the overall feeling of it. And the feeling was of like fear and confusion, some horror. What I do remember specifically from the dream were these little people that were in the dream. They were like 
Like my son is two now. They're about the size of a two-year-old, but they had bigger heads and they just look scary. They were childlike in shape, but very creepy faces. They were mean. And there were lots of them. And basically, the dream culminated with the wall of the bedroom kind of getting blasted open. And then all of these little people start to jump out of the hole in the wall and they start to disappear. And while that's happening, I kind of wake up and I'm totally frozen and I can't move, but my body is shaking. It was terrifying. And then um, that kind of stops, it eases. And then I can sit up and then I'm like, well, that was really messed up. <laughs> and so in the morning, I'm telling my mom about it. She's really shocked. Um, but then she says the crazy thing, which is that my grandpa in his last days used to talk about little people in the house and that they would follow him around and they would move things and they would pinch him and they would harass him. And he used to talk about that. Apparently, I never heard of it. Whoa. So it's like they were probably so used to entering whoever was in that bed's dream state. And they were like, wait, this isn't him. Let's get out of here. And then they like <laughs> busted out of the home and maybe never came back. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I, I remember that last moment of the dream, the whole and them disappearing through it. And I remember a feeling of, oh, yeah, they're going. Yeah, this is super surreal. Wow. Um, and I've never really had a dream or that kind of sleep paralysis thing that people talk about. I've never experienced that before or since. So that was kind of wild. These little tiny little toddler demons. Were they like a little bit cute? Not even. No, no. <laughs> it was like Ch <laughs> it was like Chucky-ish, you know? Oh, okay. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more. Do you have other stories? I wanted to tell you about this island. So I grew up in Trinidad. And when I was 18 or so, I was part of an environmental group and we did beach cleanups. So we used to go to this island off of Trinidad, a small island called Chakashikari. So it's completely uninhabited. In the past, it had been a leper colony. So it was an abandoned leper colony. Oh, wow. Now it's completely uninhabited. They're just like a few beaches. It's a dry island, so there's no fresh water. So there's not like anybody living there at all. The Coast Guard would drop us off for a few days, we'd clean up the beaches, and then they'd pick us up with all of our supplies and our garbage. On the island, as you approach, you'll see that there are um, three buildings. It's a very mountainous island. And so really, there's three main buildings on the, on the island that are all in a row. You see them up the, up the mountain. So there's a church at the lowest level. In the middle, there's a nunnery. And then at the top, there's a hospital. A nunnery? A church, a nunnery, and a hospital. Okay. And they're just completely uninhabited at this point. Completely uninhabited. Yeah. Yeah. They're like old colonial style buildings. And when we would go, we wouldn't go with tents and stuff. We'd go with our sleeping bags and stuff and stay in the buildings. So um, the first few times I went, we stayed in the hospital. The hospital had these huge wraparound verandas, and we stayed there because it's the highest building, and you could see the entire island. You could see it opening up to the ocean. It was the most beautiful view, and you got lots of breeze. That's why we used to camp there. We could stay in the front portion of that veranda. We could not walk deeper into the hospital because it was just eerie. It is, to this day, the most eerie place I've ever been. When I think about it, the only way I could describe it is thick. Like, you walk through it, and you could just feel a weight. It was almost physical, what you could feel. It was just so ominous. We hardly ever explored deeper 
just like animal instinct mm-hmm. this definite sense that oh no i should not be here <laughs> yeah there's probably so many people that suffered there and they'd probably be excited to see some life around there and they're probably lonely it's probably a lot of loneliness like both when they were living and now yeah yeah i could believe that the other times we camped we could see it in the nunnery which which felt fine. That one was safe feeling. We'd never camped in the church because the church also felt a bit forbidding. I guess it's these places where people spend a lot of mental time, maybe, you know, like you invest a lot of spirit there. I'm not sure, but it did feel different. So we never uh, camped there. Listen, I am all about cleaning up the beaches. I would love to clean the beaches up. I don't use straws. You're not going to get me sleeping in an abandoned hospital on an island alone <laughs> in a sleeping bag. No, that's where I draw the line. So good for you. Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone who went had a healthy sense that, whoa, this is weird. But also it was just extremely beautiful. So it had that going for it. <laughs> I guess. Have you ever seen a ghost? What? Ooh, tell me. It was at my house where I grew up. Um, there was a certain duration of time which kind of had a lot of activity in my house. I'm not super sure why. Um, it was just a couple of years where if you were alone, you felt the temperature drop. You felt a person behind you. It was just a very unnerving period. And it passed at some point. So I'm not really sure what that was about. I blame my brother. But... Um, <laughs> Um, one day when me and my brother's ex-girlfriend were home alone, we were sitting in his bedroom and my bedroom faced his bedroom. So we're sitting in his bedroom and both of our doors were open. And so I'm chatting to his ex-girlfriend and then we both kind of see movement through the door. We look up and we see a young man, um, maybe 19 or something, walk out of my bedroom and go down the hall. And we listen because we know we're home alone. No door is open. No one leaves the house. Nothing happens. We're like, what was that? But it was the craziest thing because this person did not look see-through or anything. If if it wasn't completely silent, no footfalls or anything, I would I would just think it was an intruder. But it wasn't. <laughs> Lisa, let me just... Enough time has passed. Can you just be honest with me? Did you have a young man that you were hiding in your room and... <laughs> Your brother's ex saw it, and you just, you still, you're like, it was a ghost. It must have been a ghost because you don't have to keep this story going. Oh, I wish. (laughs) I was not that resourceful a teenager. (laughs) You know what is so crazy is I was just talking to another listener named Eleanor who had a story that was like kind of similar to this surrounding teenage boy and seeing the ghost of that boy while they were still alive, like a doppelganger situation through the crack of a bedroom door in the house. Whoa. How old was your brother at the time? He was in his late teens. Okay. A random haunting that just like pops up. It's like a little pop-up. Comes in, does its thing, and then moves. I'm always so curious what can cause that. Some of like the leading theories, it could be like your 
doing some renovation on the house and it stirs up old spirits mm. or like this maybe it's like a poltergeist thing or something that's like more connected to living people and manifesting in these different ways. Mm. I want to know why it just happens. I think it had to do with my brother because he was very into a lot of... um now, I feel weird to say occult, but that was what he was into, and he called it that himself. Right. He was, like, really exploring um, some of those things. He was really into astral projection, certain... I mean, I was younger. I didn't really listen to everything. <laughs> Did it look like him? No, it didn't. It didn't look like him. Hmm. He thought it had to do with him. He said that he did rituals or prayers or something to kind of purify the space. And then that was when things kind of stopped happening in the house. So I'm not sure. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of times when people start dabbling in that, they are learning and there's a learning curve. (laughs) I don't know. If you think of any practice, you're going to mess up or you're going to do things as you're practicing and learning it. You know, it's possible that you could be like, oh, shit, I just made my whole house haunted. Um, Okay, I've got to figure <laughs> out how to get out of this one. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much to Roy, Eleanor, Dane, and Lisa. Hey, you could be just like them. Email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with some bullet points of your stories and also the subject line saying, listener episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! This has been an Exactly Right production. Want to share your paranormal experience on the podcast? I read stories out loud, and sometimes I'll even call you. So email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. You can send a DM or voice message to the show's Instagram at ghostedbyroz. Give us a follow while you're there. And follow me, Roz, on Instagram at Roz Hernandez and on TikTok and Twitter at It's Roz Hernandez. My senior producer is the startling Jiha Lee. Associate producer is the alarming Alex Chi. This episode was mixed and sound designed by the eerie Edson Choi. My guest booker is the petrifying Patrick Kotner. Additional production support from the hair-raising Hannah Kyle Crichton. My theme music is by the spine-chilling Brendan Lynch Salomon. Artwork by the spooky Vanessa Lilac. Photography by the terrifying Elizabeth Karen. Executive produced by the chilling Karen Kilgariff, the spooky Georgia Hardstark, and the frightening Danielle Kramer. Follow Ghosted by Roz Hernandez on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit ExactlyRightStore.com to purchase Ghosted by Roz Hernandez merch.